The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. The House Show. For over 50 weeks, the revolutionary force in retro sports entertainment podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network and the House Show podcast proudly presents to you this look at the decade of decadence. A little indulgence for your day, as we bring Saturday night to whenever you damn well please. So let's welcome to the stage your trio's tag team champions. The Master Library, Kevin, it's Tricky Hellions. The Educator of Access. And Sweet Maddie Treats. As they bring to you Saturday night's main event. The House Show Podcast Way. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of The House Show. It is me, as always, Mr. Matty Treats, and I am joined by my trio's tag team partners. To my right, in the way the light is hitting you, you look like a goddamn angel. It is the educator of excellence. Educator, how are you? How's the knee? How's your life? Good Thursday morning, gentlemen. Ah, Things are as best as they can be. We are now a week and a half in of still wearing the brace. Uh, as of the time we're taping this now, I have not still had still have not had the MRI. Uh, hoping things are going to change soon. Answers, hopefully, so that I can figure out what the next plan is to get back to normalcy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't have the MRI, but you do have the PlayStation Five. So. I- I do have the PS5, and let me tell you, baby. Oh, baby. That controller. Astro's Playroom with that controller. Fantastic. All right. And then a man that always plays with his joystick to my left, Kevin Hellions, the Masked Library. Kevin, how are you today? I'm better now. I'm better now. I uh, went to a local comic shop, pick up uh, my books yesterday, and uh, one of them came in bent. So, so what do you do? What, do you, well, what does that? What does that? What do you do? Well, they, that they, they notice it. Um, pulled it aside already. and said your regular books are right here. You know, if there's anything on the racks that looks good too. Um, but here's a special order one. Here's how it looks. Uh, it's up to you. Like you don't have to take it. And I was like, oh, kind of took like a while for it to come in. It's not that bad. I said I'd take it. You know, I was just kind of cool with it. Um, I wasn't happy, but you know, I was gonna accept it. I'm sorry. That's just that's interesting. So they don't like reorder it. Well, that's what they were asking. Like, pretty much, do you want this as a read-only copy, and you're not worried about how it looks, or did you want to have it all nice? You know, so they're not gonna automatically reorder. If I was just like, no, I'm just gonna read it and you know give it to Declan or something like that, then what's the point in ordering a nicer one? But I was just kind of like exhausted from the workday and all, and just not in the mood. So I was like, no, nah, it's fine. By the time I got up to the register, he said, all right, new copy's already been ordered for it. Pay for it when it comes in, and we have to destroy this. So if you just want to take this one, go ahead. No, oh, All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, they take good care of me. Can I uh, Can I give you some advice, Kevin? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. 
next time that there is a variant issue cover, just bend it a little and then have them order you another variant. <laughs> Get it out. And then just take both. Take both. I'll take both. Can I have this one? I'll it's take bad. both Gwenums, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, have you ever experienced, I don't know, because with where you work, it's a little different. But the customers that say, oh, can I have a discount on the floor model one? Oh, yeah, sure. Why are, are we sold out of the ones in boxes? No, no, no. I just want the floor model so I can get a discount. No. Then I have to open up yet another one to be the floor model, give a discount on that. And also there's 20 of them sitting right here. So, no. Yeah. I have a lot of people that come up like George the Animal Steel. Manager. <laughs> Manager. Sounds about, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool, though, that they, they went ahead and just ordered it. Um, so when they said, hey, uh, is this going to be a read-only copy? Do you want the mint copy? Did, were you like, I'm Tommy Dreamer, or I'll take both? <laughs> I should have. We were actually talking wrestling last week when I went in there. Should have done it. You should have. Should have Considering why it. I bought the cover, too, it would have been fitting. So Yeah, well, that's great. That's great. So, guys, I want to talk about a big purchase I had this week. Um, and it's not it's not wrestling figure related. Um, as you guys heard on our, uh, run in, right. Was it the run in hot tag? What episode did we do last Monday? Run in. Run in. Yeah. Okay. Our show is called the run in. Kevin's is the hot tag. Uh, well, we're going to have another one coming up. Okay. Uh, where we're going to be, I I think probably like once a month, uh, we we've been talking about our collections and retro hunting and all that sort of stuff. So we're going to run that off into its own separate kind of once a month thing. Uh, that'll be either, it won't be the run in, it won't be the hot tag. We'll figure out a name for it, but it'll be presented by all of those shows. So Good luck with the uh, namesake there, uh, Jason, for the for the website. But uh, we're going to spin that off into its own where we talk about, you know, Matt talks about his retro hunting, uh, talk about the figures, that sort of stuff. Um, but I-, I bought a big boy purchase, guys. So there is this thing up in uh, where we're from uh, in Watertown called Pick a Pallet. Oh, all right. Which, here we which go. Which is uh, wholesale pallets. They could have been returned. They they could be floor models, as funny as you bring that up. Uh, there could be nothing wrong with them. They could have been sent to the wrong store. So it's like overstock items that go onto this um, pallet. And then this company, they, they sell it off when they're overstocked. They buy them, and then they just sell the pallet as is. And you don't know what's on it, right? You're only able to tell what's on it based on like the boxes on the outside. So... Oh, I see a TV box on the outside. I see that there's got a TV or if it's big, big purchases, there's a lot of like, oh, this is a generator or there's an air conditioner or, you know, so-and-so that sort of thing. So, so on these pallets, I, I'm on their Facebook page, right? Cause I don't live in that town. I see that they have a, not a Peloton Peloton. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Okay. So it's called an echelon. It's very fancy, right? So I said, oh, I've been looking at trying to get like an exercise bike, that sort of thing. I've heard good things. Let's look into it. So I ended up getting the pallet. My parents ended up bundling it, or as my dad said, Frank Fritzing it, um, where he (laughs) bundles two things, if you're familiar with American Pickers. Um, So they got their own pallet, and then because my dad wanted a popcorn machine, because that's my dad, and uh, they added the bike to it because the bike was on a pallet with a generator 
and a toilet. Because <laughs> this is what they are. The toilet was broken, so they had to break the pallet down. When they noticed broken items, they break the pallet down and then separate it. And they price them separately. So I got an Echelon uh, spin bike, guys. Yeah, you getting into shape? Trying to. In box? Trying to get the peat done. Not anymore. It's all hooked up and everything. But they don't tell you one thing, guys. There's a monthly subscription. Well, the, the, the monthly subscription is implied f- to get, like, the the, the classes yeah, and workouts right. and stuff like that. That's fine. I'm not worried about that. They don't tell you the pain that happens on your gooch. <laughs> From sitting? On these, because the, 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 the seats of these soul bikes are so, like, tough. They don't want you to sit. A lot of times they want you to stand and move. Right. And You're going. Like very painful guys but not only did i get a big boy purchase i got a a little big boy purchase for the the little big guy so (laughs) they have have you ever seen cycling shorts yeah yep they have like the little donut for the gooch yep Mm -hmm. little little patty little padding right there little maxi pad right there (laughs) so i got those coming from amazon baby there you go man Protecting the goods and getting in shape. No. Did you get them um, so that you can wear them while working out and also wear them like to work or on the go? Well, so, I mean, I guess you, I mean, I, I wear sweatpants everywhere I go now, so it doesn't matter what I do, but like, it's COVID. Like, no one cares at this point. Like, I'm just trying to survive. I mean, I could wear them out, outside if I want to, but like... Then you gotta stuff the fronts, you, you know what I mean? Like, you gotta, Go out there, show off your donut. Yeah, like, you gotta make it... You, you gotta... You know, stuff a sock in the front. You gotta, you gotta show up, baby, show up. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grower, not a shower, so... Well, there you go. <laughs> no, but I, I'm just saying, though, guys. Hurts the gooch, they don't tell you that in the manual. Have you have you looked into these, Kevin? Do you know they have special shoes as well for this? Yeah. Okay, that I didn't know. The special shoes that like click in, click in, yeah, bite right on or whatever. Yeah. So the one I has has the straps for like your your sneakers and whatnot, which I will mm-hmm. wear. And then they have the ones that yeah, they like special little shoes that click in, and then you don't even have to worry about pedaling. It's like it's like the bike is part of your body. And Ooh. what a body! Kind of like, like Jeffrey the, trans- the body that we're gonna talk about here. Yeah. <laughs> You're like the Transformers of Peloton. That's right. It's called the Echelon. Whatever. The Echelon bike. Yeah, because you're more like the GoBots. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm the knockoff of the knockoff. All right, guys. Let's get right into it. We're talking Saturday night's main event. We're going to call it X. How's that sound? Sounds good to uh, me, baby. Saturday's main event, X. We are live from the Detroit. We're not live. We're actually taped from the Detroit, Michigan at the Joe Louis Arena. Uh, the date that this took place, it taped on February 21st, 1986, but it aired on March 14th, 1986. And this really is the the push for WrestleMania 3. I, I thought it was very interesting, too, guys, when we were looking. Uh, I mean, they are live in Detroit. And then, you know, six, seven weeks later, Mania 3 is going to be in Detroit. So... I think we were talking before we got on the show, really the last push to sell the tickets really, or was it like the kickoff to sell the tickets for the show? I would definitely say the goal was to try to get more ticket sales 
you know, uh, uh, apparently they're shooting for this monstrous indoor attendance record to be broken. So give give the local community a little sneak peek as to what the potential main event was going to be. Uh, get that stare down, that square off between Hogan and Andre, and drive more ticket sales for the for the following month. Um, you're still writing the wrong dates on your checks. So it was '87, but whether or not it was. 93,000 plus or whatever was going on here. The whole point was we are going to make this a spectacle. The crowd's going to look incredible. I I mean, that was one of the drawing points of watching WrestleMania three, like, you know, renting the VHS or what, or if you watched it live or whatever, is just how big it was. Right. Like, I don't care what the actual number it was. It looked amazing. So yeah. So like this to get a few thousand more, you know, maybe tens of thousands more tickets sold. Keep doing it. Like, do one every week, honestly, if that helps. Yeah, and this was a packed, packed house. A hot crowd, it seemed like. Of course, they were a hot crowd in 94 when we watched the Halloween Havoc because that was the same arena that Hogan Flair in the cage was. Absolutely. very Detroit's a wrestling town, no doubt. So, um, but, but we, of course, we start off as every Saturday night's main event starts off with. With having our little, our little, I don't know what you call it, little bumps Promo at the front. Montage, Why yeah. do we call them bumps? It's the 80s. You got your bumps mm-hmm. in the front. Uh, so the first bump goes to Hogan. Uh, then we get Bobby with Andre uh, the Giant. And then Miss Elizabeth Speaks, which I thought was very, very interesting. Uh, we get Jimmy Hart with the Hart Foundation. And then Jake the Snake Roberts. What did you guys think of uh, these five promos? Little short little tidbits as to what to expect. And then later on in the evening, obviously the one that stands out the most, Elizabeth on the mic talking about the match that she's going to be involved in. She's going to be a prize, so to speak. Her managerial services are up for grabs. Kind of stood out. Absolutely. But also what stood out is we've commented before on what order were things taped in here. Clearly Heart Foundation was taped after knew they were taped after because they start out with she thinks she's scared. and roll it into their own promo. It was just very well done to keep it all moving. I also, we've mentioned before how the opening video shows everyone on the card. Because of one of the big matches on this card, there's a ton of people in that opening video. Absolutely. Framed a lot of faces on there. And heels, too. Yeah, well, they're really getting the star power in up at the front. I, You know, big sell. You got WrestleMania coming up. You got your closed circuit. So really wanting to sell that star power. Uh, do you guys think that this sort of beginning to a TV show could work for these two-hour and three-hour shows that we see every week now? Um, highlighting a few things. Uh, not saying, like, if Dynamite opened up with it. Or is this just kind of like an antiquated thing now? Um, like, obviously, I think NWA Power absolutely right. makes complete sense when you got that right. studio wrestling show. But... What do you think for like an NXT or like a SmackDown or Raw? I mean, they've kind of been replaced by the the video packages. Right. I mean, you got the cold open video packages instead of essentially, you know, these little promo bumps at the beginning. I just, yeah, bringing this back really would hit me in the feels and maybe it would pique my interest to watch more (laughs) modern current, you know, gen wrestling, but. Till that happens, I'm still going to continue to power through with the old network and looking at stuff from the 80s and early 90s. I would just enjoy a current show opening with something other than an in-ring interview. Like anything else. First 20, 30 minutes sometimes. It's just here's the interview and the next guy comes out next guy and we're setting up the matches for the night. 
And I'm like, I- I'm ready for bed now. You've had no action on your action show here to open it. Yeah, I wonder if the formula won't it work on a weekly basis. Because we're talking about shows that are, what, two, three months, intervals, that sort of thing. So they're kind of special shows, whereas for us, wrestling's now a weekly thing. So seeing it every week, it's like, all right, get it over with. Get it over with. Right. I think they got to change that up anyways. And also, Educate, I just want to point out, you're saying you're going through the network here. Uh, next week, you won't be going through the network. Yeah, I know. So I jumping, hear you, man. Jumping to Peacock here. Jumping so. to the Peacock. Uh, you guys are going to have to talk me through it because I'm paying the nine ninety nine already. So I just assume pay the nine ninety nine as long as I got the subscription that just shifts over. I'm I'm going to go big and get the platinum, the plus, whatever it's called. Well, that's nine ninety nine as well. So well, there you go. But anyways, why don't we get right into it? We have Hawk Hogan. Uh, being interviewed by Mean Gene Okerlund. Uh, what'd you think of this uh, first promo by Hogan? <laughs> I got nothing. I didn't, I didn't All right, cool. <laughs> Moving yeah. on. I mean, uh, after that, previous, we... I, I, I enjoyed more the Vince and Jesse opening yeah. with Vince's line, does Jake know you're wearing Damien's sister? You're right. Damien's sister had that too. All right. Well, I didn't have that one, but no, I remember I, that I, line. I also, because I don't know, I don't think you're going to have it, and apologies if you do. Are you jumping right into the next interview? No, because I have the macho uh, George the Animal Steel flashback. flashback. Right. Okay. Um, We have wrestler logos. One of my favorite things from Saturday Night's main event was the logos for the matches coming up. And I've been looking for graphics for years for all of the logos, like, combined or put together. Those were always cool to see start off the show. No, absolutely, and that was, of course, one of the big things for, like, WrestleFest. Yeah. And for, hopefully, when Retro Mania comes out for the PS4, uh, Educator, you got the PS5, I got the PS5, let's download and play a little online action. We got it, man. We have to. There's no reason not to. Kevin, you got to buy a PS5, and then you got to get the game so you can play with us, okay? Um, So, what? now, if a PlayStation 5 comes in bent, is there a way that I can get it for free, and then I'll just promise I'm going to get the new one later on? Right. I'll get the PlayStation. I'll kindly pay you for two cheeseburgers today. (laughs) Um, All right. So, anyways, why don't we get uh, Mean Gene Okerlund uh, interviewing Liz, but then the Macho Man jumps in for that, and then Mean Gene Okerlund interviews Liz, but then George Animal Steel interrupts her. And then Mean Gene just gets to talk to Liz Iroh. Uh, just kind of an interesting flow to this. Uh, question for you guys. So the, the stipulation for this match is they win. the winner gets Liz. Not right. her managerial services. They win her. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's also an Intercontinental Championship match as well. So it could be a possible winner-take-all for George the Animal Steel. So there's two items you could own at the end yeah. of this. I just thought it was interesting, though, that they're really hammering home the fact that it's not like her managerial services. Like, she's got a manager's contract with with Macho. No, you're just winning a human being. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, I mean, kind of fits with Macho's gimmick here, too. That, you know, Elizabeth is his and his alone. And George just wants her to be mine. Yeah. So, um, so that brings us to match number one on the card, which is the Macho Man Randy Savage taking on George the Animal Steel with... Liz, uh, Miss Elizabeth, of course, in a beach chair. I, um, at least it wasn't Elizabeth, Elizabeth on a pole match. I mean, it, it's a precursor oh, to that, I guess. But um, I, I don't know. For me, uh, one of the things that stood out, Macho Man's robe. My gosh, that thing was glorious. I love that. So, so nostalgic. 
chalk line has the Macho Man robe jacket, which is that robe. That's crazy. So, your educator got a birthday coming up, guys. Let's go fun with this jacket. Oh, baby. Um, I I was fascinated that despite Elizabeth's um, WWF career so far and her experience, um, she's still very, very concerned about the well-being of the wrestlers. And Mean Gene has been doing it a little longer, and he is not. As a conversation with Elizabeth saying, I'm worried someone might get hurt, and Mean Gene saying, well, that happens in this. <laughs> just blowing her off with it. I mean, Mean Gene's fantastic, here. though. <laughs> Just, just fantastic. So, uh, so what did you guys think of this match? Fun match. Uh, interesting finish in the fact that how it, everything finished. I guess anything that happens outside of the ring is not necessarily prone to a disqualification. But if it happens inside of the ring, yeah, must be it is. Uh, fun back and forth match. Crazy to think we've been talking about the George Steele Macho Man feud. I mean, this is from pre-WrestleMania two. And here we are almost already at WrestleMania through oh just you know a hair before WrestleMania three and we've got another intercontinental championship match between the two. Good back and forth match, uh, as short as it was, and hopefully a little finality to uh their feud here. Like the chair is really another person in this match because they have to account for the chair for everything. Like all of it's building up to the you know, end spa and segment not everything for it but for all the other stuff they do they have to gauge where it is and when it like I don't know. it's it's kind of like when we see a, a match where they're setting up a table and the entire match grinds to a halt so they can get the table right yeah so why don't we uh go ahead and break down this mat classic so we've got Elizabeth making her way to the ring by herself as like the third entrant in this match. She's starting to climb up the beach chair. We notice George the Animal Steel leaves the ring and attempts to assist her, I guess, uh, as she's climbing up the chair to sit down to be able to watch the match. George Steele ends up turning his back to Macho Man. He ends up climbing to the top rope and then drops a double axe handle off the top rope onto Animal, which knocks him down. Savage then proceeds to grab Elizabeth, have her climb back down the chair, and he starts escorting her to the locker room. And we hear, and unfortunately because it's the WWE Network, we hear the dub of it, but Ricky Steamboat's music plays, and we see a shot of Steamboat starting to work his way down the aisleway towards ringside to prevent Savage and Liz from being able to leave uh, from the ringside area. We see a few agents and referees trying to hold Steamboat back, trying to keep the two separated. Steamboat continues to work his way to ringside. That basically forces Macho Man to get back towards ringside and eventually in the ring. Uh, So as we get back into the ring, Savage making his way in as Steamboat continues to press him to ringside. George Animal Steel, sitting in the ring, waiting for Savage, begins uh, attacks Randy Savage from behind. Savage is getting bit by George Animal Steel in the head. George Animal Steel does that like bulldog headlock ramming Savage into uh, the corner buckle. We see him do this a second time to a different turnbuckle pad. He then begins to start chewing on that corner turnbuckle and shredding it and destroying that particular buckle. As Savage is back, 
or as Georgie Animal Steel's back, is to uh, working on uh, to Randy Savage. And as he's working on that turnbuckle, Randy Savage ends up charging from behind with a running knee to Georgie Animal Steel that sends him into the corner. We see Randy Savage with a big scoop slam. He climbs to the top rope. George Steele does stand up, and Macho Man jumps off with a double axe handle to the top of uh, George Steele's head to knock him down to the canvas. We see Randy Savage with a blatant eye rake to George the Animal Steele, but over time, Steele eventually recovers and returns the favor and starts grinding his fingers into Savage's flesh on his head uh, to battle back. Randy Savage attempts an Irish whip to George Steele into the uh, into the ropes. He signals for the big clothesline, but George Steele ends up catching Savage's arm like the last episode and proceeds to start gnawing and biting on his on his bicep. We see George Steele capable of picking up Savage by the throat, double fisted to the throat, picking uh, double fisted lift, picking up Savage and then dropping him down to the canvas. George Steele turns his uh, his eyesight towards another turnbuckle pad and starts shredding it. As Savage tries to attack George Steele from behind, Steele takes a handful of the turnbuckle stuffing and starts grinding it into Randy Savage's face. We see George Steele going out onto the floor to try to help Elizabeth again out of the chair, but Randy Savage ends up attacking George Animal Steele on the floor. The referee is now counting uh, both men out of ringside. Randy Savage ends up shooing Elizabeth away. He picks up the tall beach chair that she was in, ends up slamming it over George Animal Steel's body. Has to be in front of the referee as the referee's still counting. Uh, but there is no disqualification call. Instead, Savage beats the count back into the ring, and the referee declares him the victor by a countout and successful defense of the Intercontinental title by countout. Randy Macho Man Savage. Post-match, we end up seeing Randy Savage pick up his Intercontinental Championship belt. He tries to hit George Animal Steel with the belt as George rolls back into the ring, but Steel is able to block and thwart those attempts, and he ends up uh, launching Macho Man over the top rope onto the floor. We see a cutaway with uh, George Animal Steel celebrating in the ring, uh, post-match being able to thwart off Randy Savage's efforts. He actually has the Intercontinental title now. He's got it over his shoulder, and he also uh, got a poster of Miss Elizabeth as well. So he's in the ring celebrating with the title he didn't win, as well as a picture of the girl who he also did not win. <laughs> it sounds so sad when you word it that way. <laughs> like, it just sounds so sad and pathetic. Yeah, just hold up your... Hold up things you didn't actually earn here. We'll pretend it's all okay. Been there. Um, I think when we were talking about uh, Elizabeth being um, not her managerial services, but being sold as a person, the quote um, during this match was the rightful possessor of Elizabeth. You don't want to wrongfully possess a person. You want to be the rightful possessor of one. There's like educator went over a lot of the stuff that Macho does, which is absolutely heel work. But George Animal Steel does a lot of heel work too here. It's I, I'm noticing more and more there's not really as many differences with the face and the heels for what they do in the ring outside of like a big angle where someone's attacked or something like that. But for just regular in-ring work, you're a face or heel based on Vince McMahon telling the audience that you're a face or heel. 
not based off of like dastardly deeds in the ring or stuff behind the referee's back or or always wrestling a clean style. It's just, well, Vince says you're a good guy, so you're a good guy. But your in-ring style of, of cheating is still the same here. And that goes all the way up to Hogan, too, with it. You know, Hogan absolutely does, you know, stuff behind the referee's back, you know, uh, threatens to punch them, all sorts of other things for it. Uh, and, and then I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of curious here, um, exactly who will meet again on that freeway of love? And that's a quote from uh, Vince there. They'll meet again on that free wave of love. I'm not sure if he was talking about George Animal Steel and Elizabeth or George Animal Steel and Macho Man. I wasn't quite sure. I'm also kind of shocked that free wave love has not been the name of a pay-per-view. I'd rank it right up there with Great Balls of Fire. I think he was talking about um, George Animal Steel and Miss Elizabeth. Mm. Who'd be driving? Because Elizabeth as a possession, as this match tells us, probably shouldn't be driving. Can't imagine... George and Animal Steel, the character, could get a license. Who'd be driving? Bear would be driving. How could that be? Jeez. All right. So why don't we move on? I uh, watched that. Next up, we I've watched see... that forever. Neither have I. Uh, next up, we see Hawk Hogan uh, getting ready for the Battle Royal. Um, and then they start announcing people, and people are coming down for the Battle Royal. But then we have Mean Gene um, interviewing Bobby the Brain Heenan with... Andre the Giant. So, uh, so what do you guys think of this? Uh, Hogan doing like the flex. Uh, what do you even call that? The upper body flex thing? <laughs> the, tra- the-, the traps bar, or whatever. I mean, that's the infamous, the same bar that Rick Rude used on Ultimate Warrior to attack him at that Royal Rumble during the Super Pose Down. So, you know, trying to get the traps ready to go and being ready to pose, brother. You know, he's trying to get Volkov and Heenan and Hernandez and Orndorff and Giant. Oh, yeah. He was getting all pumped up and ready to go. No, absolutely. It's it's not a flex bar. It's actually called an Admiral Akbar because it's for your traps. God. I'm actually impressed. That's not a bad one. <laughs> now that I think about it, like that's pretty clever, Kevin. I probably won't put in. Should I put it in cricket? No, I like that one. Um, so they're they're introducing the guys. Um, you know, you got the honky tonk man and, and uh, Hercules. Hercules looks smaller than last time. Did he like thin down? See, I was he off cycle. Look, I don't know, but he to me he still looks super jacked. No, he looks to yeah. when I remember like later on WrestleMania five, WrestleMania six. He doesn't look like. I mean, I think he looks fantastic here, but he doesn't look as bulky. Probably probably in a cycle then. Could be. I don't know. So uh, we get the 20-man battle royal. Um, so uh, do you want me to go through the names? Did you write all the names down? Does it matter? I, I do. I'm, I've got everything broken yeah. down in terms of the order of eliminations and who tossed who. And, you know, oh. it's, a, it's a battle royal, so I'm not going to ask what you guys thought of it. We're just going to let the educator do his thing. I just, I, first of all, I want to maybe drop a little knowledge here. Um, I know that last episode we talked about Blackjack Mulligan, uh, you know, being here in the WWF and how kind of out of place or different it seemed for for his character. But in reality, uh, he's a former tag team partner of Andre the Giant, uh, like the previous summer. I don't know if you guys are aware 
but all three members of the machines it were actually in this match. Yeah. Blackjack Black Mulligan. Machine? I had no idea. Blackjack Mulligan was big machine. Axe from Demolition was super machine. And Andre was, of course, giant machine. Hmm. Huh. I mean, giant machine was obvious. Right. Hulk machine, I'm, I'm Hulk like machine, 60% sure who Piper, it was. Yeah. <laughs> Piper machine, you know, kind of weird you know you, you had a pretty good idea but yeah so we, we uh so i i completely missed on that opportunity on our last episode but i thought i was thinking about it today i'm like holy cow that's right they were the machines in 86 from japan and uh yeah so here we are and they're all doing a different gimmick now so uh the one thing that i that was over the top for me is vince mcmahon's rant as Andre is coming to the ring about the 15 years that he's undefeated and hey, how Andre must have, you know, hardened this resentment towards Hogan. I just, I, it's just completely over the top, so overly dramatic kind of Vince deal. Uh, the stare down as Andre's in the ring, standing in the ring by the corner and Hogan's making his entrance and he's kind of blocking the steps where Hogan would have to walk up into the ring. And I love how Andre's just waving the fingers like, come on, let's go. It just, it was a great stare down between the two for the most part. Uh, the first half of the battle Royal is just Hogan and Andre eliminating people like not necessarily one trying to outdo the other, but until one of those guys were eliminated, you didn't really see any other eliminations. So the match began with eliminations with Hulk Hogan body slamming the honky tonk man over the top rope onto the floor. And then we see on the other side of the ring, Andre the Giant with a handful of hair tossing Sika over the top rope onto the floor. We then, in a follow-up, see Andre tossing a future tag team partner. Uh, he tosses Haku from the Islanders who at this point, the Islanders are a face tag team in the WWF. He tosses Haku over the top rope onto the floor. We then see the outcome of Andre grabbing Leaping Lanny Poffo, giving him a vicious headbutt. And from shoot interviews that I've seen with Lanny Poffo, he actually, that was a hard way cut. That was not a blade job or anything. Andre legit split him open with that headbutt. Tosses Lanny Poffo after the big headbutt over the top rope, and we see Lanny Poffo busted open. We see paramedics come down to ringside and put take Poffo out on a stretcher, bringing him back to the locker room. We see Hulk Hogan with his second elimination with kind of a back body drop-ish lift to outlaw Ron Bass over the top rope on the floor. We see Andre the Giant kind of do a hip toss to former tag partner Blackjack Mulligan from the Machines. Tossing uh, Blackjack over the top onto the floor. We see Hogan now do a fireman's carry lift to Nikolai Volkov to bring him out over the top rope onto the floor. B. Brian Blair uh, attempts to work on Andre, but Andre just tosses B. Brian Blair from the Killer Bees over the top onto the floor. We see Hercules Hernandez and Paul Orndorff, who are members of the Heenan family, start to work on Hogan. And they do a double-team Irish whip to Hogan into the corner, but Andre is in the corner. So Hogan and Andre essentially collide. The efforts kind of send Andre staggering back a little bit, but we see a monster stare down finally between Hogan and Andre. Hogan gets in a few right hands. Coco Beware decides to insert himself <laughs> in the middle where Andre just swats him off like a fly. 
uh, as Hogan tries to go after Andre after Coco swats him off. Again, uh, Orndorff and Hercules end up jumping uh, uh, Hogan, and there is a breakup between the two. We eventually see Hulk Hogan pick a scoop slam Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and toss him over the top rope onto the floor. And as Hogan had tossed Orndorff, Andre happened to be right behind Hogan. He grabs Hogan by the two hands, uh, grabbing his hair from behind and does a vicious headbutt to the back of his skull and then pushes Hogan over the top rope and sends him off to the floor, eliminating Hulk Hogan. We end up going to a commercial break where we see Hogan rolling out to the locker room, being taken out after his elimination. And a return from the break, we see Andre still looking towards the locker room as Hogan is being escorted out. And for whatever reason, jumping Jim Brunzel decides to try to jump on Andre, who essentially just swats him over and tosses him over the top rope onto the floor. Eventually, a whole bunch of uh, remaining competitors corner Andre and they slowly work together to roll Andre over the top rope onto the floor. It was Axe from Demolition, Hillbilly Jim, Billy Jack Haynes, Coco Beware, uh, Tama from the Islanders, and Butch Reed. They all kind of worked together and had a little bit of a hand in finally getting Andre out over the top rope onto the floor. We see Hercules from the Heenan family toss Tama from the Islanders over the top rope onto the floor. Hillbilly Jim is able to kind of do a fireman's carry lift of axe from demolition and get him out over the top to the floor. Smash from demolition returns the favor and eliminates Hillbilly Jim. We see Coco beware ducking a clothesline attempt from Butch Reed. Coco then uh, does a drop kick to the back of Butch Reed that sends Butch Reed's momentum over the top rope onto the floor. So our final four competitors are Hercules Smash from Demolition, Billy Jack Haynes, and Coco Beware. Wouldn't have necessarily thought any of those guys necessarily be in the final four when you looked at the original list of the 20. We see Hercules Hernandez uh, slam Coco Beware over the top rope to eliminate him. Billy Jack Haynes uh, with, uh, with a clothesline to smash from Demolition to push Smash over the top rope onto the floor. So now we're down to Billy Jack Haynes and Hercules. Bobby Heenan is still at ringside. Bobby Heenan gets up on the apron and serves as a distraction to Billy Jack Haynes. Billy Jack Haynes turns to Bobby Heenan, who then kind of leaps off the apron to avoid any contact. But now with Billy Jack Haynes back to Hercules, Hercules is able to uh, toss Haynes over the top rope onto the floor. Your winner, unsuspecting winner, in my opinion, uh, Hercules of the Hercules Hernandez from the Heenan family. So is this the start? Wasn't there a Hercules Hernandez, Billy Jack Haynes feud um, with the full Nelson who had the better one? Is this the start this, this of that? This is essentially this confrontation led up to their match at WrestleMania. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's like the biggest thing I remember from Billy Jack Haynes WWF careers, that feud. Um, poor Hogan during the, the pre-match stuff there. He had another brother turn on him. Other. It's it's such a big family, and he just keeps having them turn, much like Paul Orndorff was his brother, despite having turned face a short time ago. He and Andre were also like brothers. He's just so upset to have uh, uh, another brother turn on him. I'm glad you mentioned Smash, because honestly, I knew it was Axe right away, but Smash's makeup is so different than the classic one, I wasn't sure right. if it was still Barry Darso. It is. It's and, Barry Darso is probably like a week or two in 
Um, they only did like one or two sets of tapings with the uh, the guy that was a part of the Moon Dogs that originally started as Smash. And again, with this being taped in February, early mid February, I think it was like very early February or late January that the initial demolition run with Luscious Johnny V as the manager with uh, one of the Moon Dogs who was. Uh, Randy Colley, who played Smash originally, they did like one or two tapings, and like the fans like instantly knew who it was and were calling him out mid match, and they decided to go a different direction and they hired Darcel uh, to to reprise the role of Smash. Okay, so like beta test demolitions already come and gone. Ba- yeah, that's already happened. Come and gone. There was like maybe one. Uh, superstars match or wrestling challenge or primetime spot where you saw them, but there were a couple of, a couple more house shows or maybe one other taping. But yeah, by then Randy Colley is gone and uh, we got Darcel now playing Smash. The um, Pavogin busted open hard way is amazing to see on here because it just didn't happen. Right. For WWF, for you know, this cartoon Hulkamania era for it. If it did, it was accidental. This is straight up accidental. But, I mean, he bleeds. He bleeds pretty good here. Uh, I wouldn't shock me if he had, like, a concussion or something after the match. Um, which, according to previous Saturday night's main events, means he'll be back next week, though. Right. Yeah, concussion this time, you know. Um, Andre throwing out Hogan shocked me. I, I thought it was going to, like, because there were so many people left in the match. It really surprised me it was this soon. But the the look of disgust on Andre's face is fantastic. Like just just shaking his hands like he's like it's dirt on his shoulder there for Hogan. Just be gone with you. It just looks so scary, so intimidating, such a monster. Like this is what a great idea to hype up WrestleMania three for their interaction here. Absolutely fantastic. Coco just like out of nowhere, though, like, yeah, I'm going to get Andre. Looks like Marco stunt attacking someone <laughs> like Coco looks so small next to Andre. Um, I don't know if either of you picked up on it, but when Andre tosses out Hogan. You can see Heenan in the background on the other side of the ring. He's not on the side that Hogan's getting thrown out of. Going nuts, celebrating. Yeah, I messed per- up. Oh, it's so cool. That's Just cool. perfect Heenan moments. Fantastic. Uh, you you said, like, why did Jim Brunzel do the drop kick and then he's immediately thrown out? I thought Jim Brunzel ac- almost accidentally took Andre out. I thought he mm-hmm. caught him just right off balance and Andre was just against the ropes in the right way. That like an inch or two, he would have knocked Andre out himself. Right. It, it wasn't a drop kick. It was more like he was jumping on him like a Fez press attempt. And like Andre had to twist him around like he was doing an Arn Anderson spine buster. And there seemed to be like a weird stumble to it. But it was just, yeah. I mean, it just seemed, again, Andre just swatting people left and right and sidestepping and hip, hip, hip tossing. I mean, he was, they were living up the gimmick for what this guy was for Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. so it was great. Uh, well, and that was the thing, too. Like, I was shocked that Andre got eliminated. Yes, it took everyone left in the match, pretty much. But I was shocked it happened at all because WrestleMania 2, there's a big Battle Royal there. All the talk about Andre, you know, being king of Battle Royals. I just assumed he was winning this one. I had no recollection of this at all. I, I was just shocked by it. Um, Again, shocking ending there, but Hercules being part of the Heenan family, I guess it makes sense for it. Uh, and the only other reaction that uh, I noticed in the match was uh, Hillbilly Jim just saying i'm out of it pretty much when hogan and andre square off like hillbilly jim's in the background like i've seen two bulls go at it on the farm and i know best place for me to be is not in their way just stepping back and watching 
Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I, I also enjoyed um continuity here at the end, not to jump ahead of treats, but Mean Gene interviews Andre and then Bobby comes in. Like, I don't know when it was taped. It wasn't necessarily taped immediately after the match, but they just, uh, you know, oh, yeah, Bobby's still out there. He's out there with Hercules. So Andre would already be in the back ready for an interview before he would return for it. It's just little things that make sense for the overall storytelling. Right. Yeah, I think I'm with everyone in the world. Like, oh, my God, we're down to these four. (laughs) Like, it's (laughs) it's such a shocking thing. But once again, well, uh, hang on. Sorry. No, go ahead. Down to these four with 35 years of history in between down to these four at the time i'm thinking hercules is getting a push i'm thinking oh man they're they're you know strapping a rocket to him what's what's gonna happen is he gonna challenge for a title at mania is he gonna you know be part of some big program right here like i'm thinking they're doing something with him at this point one thing too is this battle royal um it seems a lot longer than it actually is because yeah you know going through it uh, the time listing on wikipedia is 11 minutes and they pack a lot into 11 minutes of a battle royale. They do. And, I mean, for the most part, it doesn't just seem like it's immediate elimination, 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 elimination. Uh, the, there's definitely some spots in there that uh, between the guys going back and forth. I mean, it, it, it's hard to break down any kind of big battle royale-ish, Royal Rumble-ish match other than, you know, really focusing on the main eliminations themselves. But, no, there was definitely some good back and forth uh, square ups where some heels were working against heels. And even there were a couple of times you saw a couple of faces kind of like, you know, collar and elbow tie ups working on each other, trying to get each other out. But yeah, it was a fun match. I, I, I liked it a lot. We got wonder, is this the Dick Ebersol, Vince McMahon and Pat Patterson coming in idea that created the rumble too. Hey, that was a good battle Royal. That was a lot of fun. You guys should, is there any way we can extend this, make it like, you know, last longer, get more ratings in on it. No, and, and and like you said, too, after the match, um, we have uh, Mean Gene interviewing Andre and then Bobby the Brain Heenan comes. Can we just talk about how great Bobby the Brain Heenan is throughout this episode? And yeah, Vince absolutely. even makes the comment, so much Bobby the Brain Heenan. Put it in my veins. I, I'm loving the weasel. <laughs> yeah, I bought the weasel absolutely. elite because of this baby. I'm trying to collect every Bobby the Brain Heenan figure is my, my new goal in life. Um, so after that, we get Mean Gene interviewing Jake the Snake Roberts with Damien, and that leads to match number three, which is Jake the Snake Roberts taking on King Kong Bundy. And who is in King Kong Bundy's corner? Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby the Brain Heenan with outfit changes. Yeah. So, Absolutely. Just fantastic, fantastic. So so what do you guys think of you know, the whole uh, Jake the Snake being a face now, it, it feels like. So they don't really, I mean, we don't understand why he's got the face turn. We have not, we didn't get the clip showing what happened on uh, the snake pit with uh, with the honky-tonk man smashing the guitar from behind and, uh, you know, doing some nerve damage, apparently, to Jake Roberts. We What we see is just the interview with Mean Gene, and, the, I mean, Jake Roberts, his 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 methodical tone, his cadence, it's it's fantastic. The line, uh, I you know, Damien knows I'm facing 400 pounds of real pork in Bundy. Oh my god, that was funny. I laughed. Just coming from Jake Roberts, it's fantastic. Uh, See, but again, did he really change anything from the heel? persona like he's facing bundy that's it and bundy is at this time a heel and with heenan 
but Jake didn't say anything different. He didn't really wrestle any different. Well, oh, sorry. He didn't wrestle any differently than he would have as a heel against a face Bundy because he did wrestle differently in this match just trying to make up for Bundy's massive size here. He's trying to, you know, he did a good job trying to chop it down. But we were told Jake's a good guy now, so we just accept that. And that's all that, like, he didn't have to do anything. Snake still works. His, his promos still work. You know? He's not really changing his character either. No. It's the same character. He's mm-hmm. just changing his targets, right. I guess. Exactly. Good way of, ch- ch- of saying it. Focusing his, focusing his efforts to just a different part of the roster. Yeah. So uh, one thing I do have to say about this match um, as we go through it, I mean, it's okay. Uh, nothing. I, I thought nothing great. That DDT is terrible, though, I, because I, I, he loses connection had, with it. If Bundy's head hadn't slipped out, it would have looked amazing. A big guy taking the DDT. I don't know if just Jake let go early, if Bundy pulled out just to avoid, you know, a DD, you know, a, a Ricky Steamboat situation and getting his head drilled in. Um, I mean, he sold it well. And he, he his head hit, but the fr- thing is, is that Jake let go of the front face lock, or Bundy's head slipped out of that front face lock, and yeah, it didn't. And then doing the replay afterwards didn't really help. That's the and that's the reason I bring it up is you probably could have gotten away with it and it would have looked as bad, you know, the first time. But to show it in a super slow mo replay, when like I said, this this taped in February, right? You had four weeks. February 20. Yeah. You, yeah. you had three weeks to, to get it ready. So um, it's just kind of uh, just an interesting choice of camera angle for that. Um, maybe you know, Bundy's for, lack for of hair out. did it. Like maybe the hair would be at least a grip for it, you know? Yeah, true. True. Um, so educator, why don't you go ahead and break this one down? Probably why one of the producers noted on the end didn't really last too much longer with WWF. Matthew McCarthy guy. Crazy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So at the start of the match, we see uh, Jake Roberts and Bundy. They tie up Jake with a couple of arm twists on the Bundy, but Bundy smashes a bunch of forearms over Jake's back in order to escape. We see a second lockup between the two. Bundy ends up backing Jake into the corner. Bundy goes for a big swing, but Jake uh, kind of misses or moves out of the way so that Bundy misses. And then Bundy realizes he's standing in the corner right next to Damian the snake and kind of like spazzes out and gets back into the ring uh, to the center of the ring. We see a third lockup between the two where Bundy uh, ends up working on an arm bar on Jake the snake. We see Jake kicking at Bundy's knees to try to escape. And then for some reason, Jake decides to go with a test of strength onto King Kong Bundy. And Bundy is successful in getting Jake all the way down to the canvas, back shoulders to the canvas. There's even a couple of pinfall attempts by the referee counting. Uh, But eventually Jake ends up kicking at Bundy's thighs uh, to escape that predicament. We see Bundy ramming Jake into the corner turnbuckle uh, and then begin holding a front face lock to work down on Jake Roberts. Bundy with an Irish whip that he ends up telegraphing a back body drop attempt and Jake comes off the rope and hits a knee lift to Bundy's head to stagger the big man. Jake starts winding up with multiple left and right hands to continue to stagger Bundy. Eventually, Jake hits it and bounces off the ropes and hits a running right hand that actually knocks Bundy down onto his back in the middle of the ring. Jake ends up going to the corner where the bag with Damien is, but Bundy ends up grabbing his leg to drag him back towards the ring uh, so he can't get Damien involved in the match. 
And then ringside, we see Bobby Heenan snatching the bag that has Damien and heading back to the locker room uh, with Damien. We see Jake Roberts with a thumb to the eye to King Kong Bundy. And then he goes through the ropes and ends up running back to the locker room, chasing Heenan in an effort to go get his snake back. And we end up cutting away to a commercial. Coming back from commercial, Jake the Snake Roberts is seen walking back to the ring with the bag with Damien over his shoulder. Jake ends up putting the bag into a different corner than what Heenan originally stole him from. As Jake rolls into the ring to continue the match, Bundy ends up attacking the downed Roberts uh, with some stomps and kicks. And eventually he drapes his foot over Roberts' throat to continue to choke Eventually, Bundy picks up Snake and does an Irish whip into the ropes and a clothesline that will knock Jake the Snake Roberts down. We see Bundy with two running shoulder blocks to knock Jake Roberts down as Jake is slowly working his way back up to his feet. In a third shoulder block attempt, Jake Roberts sidesteps Bundy and Bundy crashes and burns into the corner turnbuckle. We see Jake with a flurry of punches and eventually a running clothesline that knocks Bundy down. Jake again goes for the bag that has Damien in it, and the referee tries to intervene, and Jake actually ends up kneeing the referee into the abdomen that drops the ref down onto his knees, and we see the referee calling for a disqualification. Jake the Snake Roberts and King Kong Bundy continue to fight back and forth, trading blows back and forth post-match. We see King Kong Bundy able to scoop slam Jake the Snake Roberts, but then when he bounces off the ropes to try to hit a, a running, dropping elbow drop, Jake Roberts is able to roll out of the way. Jake Roberts uh, does the front face lock and hits a DDT, but it's unfortunately a very botched DDT, uh, but it does drop Bundy down. As Jake, for his third attempt, goes to the bag to get Damien out, we see King Kong Bundy get pulled from ringside by Bobby Heenan, who had returned to ringside um, in order to prevent Damien from covering Bundy's body. Educator, before we move on to Kevin, let me just ask you, what did you think of, like we said, Jake's playing the face here. Uh, We didn't see the face turn. He's kind of the same character. And then... He's going to knee the ref during the match. I mean, that's still, is he technically a tweener at this point? I mean, he's frustrated in that, you know, he tried to get the snake once and, you know, Bundy stopped him from doing so. And then Bobby Heenan ends up stealing the snake and there, and then he had to chase Bobby Heenan to go get the snake. And now this third attempt, the referees involved. So, I mean, he's dead set at getting Damien involved in the match. And I just think, you know, finally, psychology-wise, his temper got the best of him, and he unfortunately attacks the referee, and that leads to the DQ. So it comes off, again, still as heelish, but more of a, it's a frustrating, you know, result due to multiple attempts to try to accomplish what he wanted to get done. Yeah, so. All right, well, anyways, uh, Kevin, what'd you have to add? All right, so how long did it take from this... um how much longer was the Andre feud with Jake? Like uh, years later, right? This is like maybe a year and a half later. I mean, the Andre feud happens after Jake Roberts and Rick Rude and the Cheryl Roberts and the tight stripping and all that stuff. Oh. So this is like post WrestleMania four. So, I mean, we're before three. So we're talking, yeah, SummerSlam 88 after that. So over a year and a half before they're starting to feud. Well, there's things with like 
um, Bobby Brain Heenan, what he does to to help Bundy avoid the snake, the the image of this giant beast being scared of a snake, which is smaller than him, but still snake and dangerous. There's a lot of stuff Bundy does here that, like, I was asking uh, Beta Test Demolition. It seems like let's test this out and then do the same angle again with Andre later on. There, there's a lot of familiarity to it for me from that angle later on here. I was just curious how how much time took place beforehand. And, and yeah, I mean, Jake, he, he still wrestles his heel style, but him going with his kicks and everything to just chop Bundy down is completely different than we saw with him, like against Savage or against anyone else. But that's the only difference. I'm just, maybe it's me as an adult. I'm just fascinated with, there's not a difference. And, and I don't know, like maybe I need to watch, I'm going to just pick a current name. Like Seth Rollins has been faced a lot and heel a lot. Does he change it up at all? Or am I just, is it different when you're watching modern day because you're watching for the big angles when they come that you're not actually paying attention to nuances in the match like we are here. Right. To go back to your question about the whole Jake and Andre feud there, the culmination of their feud was WrestleMania five. Remember when big John stud was the referee and then, and there was, and then there was supposed to be a feud between stud and Andre after that, but then things fizzled out with stud and his contract. And then that really never happened. And like, the DQ, like, uh, who would you even have lose here if you did have someone lose? Like, Mania build up and everything, sure. Jake's just turned face, sure. Bunny, oh, just last year was main event at WrestleMania. Like, I don't even know who I would have lose here. Right. I don't think, I mean, they already did the count out, so you don't want to do another count out or double count out or, I mean, a double disqual. I mean, a lot of these schmas finishes, unfortunately. So. It's, again, one of those, who do we try to protect or who are we trying to least damage, you know, as we're leading up to what is going to be, of course, the biggest show uh, for the company at this point, WrestleMania 3. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I don't think I, we can rag on Vince all we want, and we do. I don't know that I could put together a show and decide who wins and loses with all the egos and the long-term planning too. And I'm not saying WWF always uh, WWE, whatever always gets it right by no means. Am I saying that, but I don't know that I could do it well on my own consistently too, you know? Right. Uh, Um, I'm I'm just wondering here for the next segment. Is this your first time? It's my first time. Is it your first time? It's my first time. Are you done? <laughs> Come on, man. Can I, can I move on with the show? Uh, I, I was done. Uh, yeah, I guess I was done quick because it was my first time. <laughs> I can't win with you guys. So. so anyways, we get a WWF flashback on how the Hart Foundation won the Tag Team Championship belts. Uh, then we get Mean Gene interviewing Jimmy Hart with the Hart Foundation and honorary member, Mr. Danny Davis. Um, and then we get match number four on the card, which is, you know, the Hart Foundation classic tag team taking on Tito Santana and Dangerous Dan Spivey. What a team. It's, it's a hodgepodge put it together. I, on, I mean, Dan Spivey was essentially 
WWF's replacement to Barry Windham when Barry Windham abruptly left after the U.S. Express, you know, group uh, that we had already talked about in previous episodes when they had left and ended up going back to or going to the NWA. It's just it's weird to see Barry Windham's gone. But now his father is is now working again for WWF as Barry Windham is now back to NWA. So we've got Dan Spivey and, and Tito Santana as a thrown together team. I like the little uh, little barb that they threw in there, reminding us that when Tito Santana was Intercontinental Champion and he had lost the title to Randy Macho Man Savage, who was the referee, Danny Davis. So kind of throwing that in there as a little bit of uh, pepper to the to the fire to Tito as to why he you know would want to seek revenge, and uh, you know possibly get, you know pull off another tag team championship win here. Another. You know, coming off of being a former champion with Ivan Putsky. So, you know, it, it's funny because you, you you were talking about how Tito and Dan Spivey kind of a, an interesting tag team. But, uh, man, is this crowd hot for a title? They are. Absolutely. They were super into this, especially at the point where Tito hits the two flying forearms. And even commentary, Jesse's like, why is he going for the pin? It's stupid that he's going for the adulation from the crowd. But Tito at the time also had another, he had the figure four as is one of his finishes as well. So, um, but yeah, the crowd went super hot when Tito had got the hot tag and eventually almost, you know, was able to sneak those titles away. I'm just curious what exactly um, the duties are of an official observer, which is what Danny Davis is for this match, an official observer. Um, I, I know about it if you, uh, search the darker corners of Craigslist personals, what an official observer does, but I'm not sure in the world of WWF. I, I just mean, want to throw this out. I just want to throw this out here, Kevin. Mm-hmm. It's an official observer. We're in Detroit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had issues during the election. So ah, there it is. <laughs> Was Danny, Danny it's, it's Davis stem, an observer stems, for the election? It stems back from this. Yeah. I mean, it all comes down it to this. It's makes, all connected. It all makes sense now. Yeah. So, uh, educator, why don't you go ahead and break down this match and let everyone know why the crowd was so hot? Yes. So we see the start of the match with Jim the Anvil Nyhart with Danny Spivey. Anvil ends up doing an Irish whip to Spivey pretty much near the start of the match. Spivey, who rebounds off of the ropes after a drop down from Anvil, he ends up hitting a crossbody onto the Anvil and gets a two count from referee Joey Morella. Dan Spivey with a side headlock onto the Anvil, who then does an Irish whip to Spivey. And ends up, after a drop down, hits a clothesline, knocking Spivey down. Anvil tries to do an Irish whip to Dan Spivey to send him into his corner, where Bret Hart had his boot up on the corner uh, to ram Spivey's body into Bret Hart's boot. Spivey saw it and ended up returning the favor and altering the uh, the Irish whip and reverses it. And so Anvil ends up crashing and burning into Bret Hart's boot. Spivey does an atomic drop to Jim the Anvil Nightheart after he crashes into Bret Hart's boot, and the momentum from the atomic drop sends Anvil into his own corner, and he's able to tag his partner Bret Hart in. We see Dan Spivey with two left hands to Bret Hart uh, and an Irish whip towards Tito Santana in his corner, who hits a, a jumping right hand of his own. Tito Santana tags in and Spivey and Tito do a double team Irish whip to Bret Hart and then hit a double back elbow to knock Bret Hart to the canvas. 
We see Tito with a side headlock to Bret Hart, and who then in turn, Bret does an Irish whip to Tito, hits a good-looking leapfrog as Tito runs under, ends up, uh, Tito catches him at, in the turnaround and does a scoop slam to Bret Hart. Spivey is eventually tagged back in, and he ends up hitting a running shoulder block to knock Bret Hart down. Spivey goes for the pinfall attempt, but it's broken up at a two count by Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Bret Hart is able to then recover from Anvil's interference and drops an elbow to the top of Spivey's head as Spivey's down, and Bret Hart ends up tagging out to Jim the Anvil Nightheart. We see Jim the Anvil Nightheart with a few right hands and a body slam. Uh, pick up a uh, scoop pickup that drops Spivey throat, uh, throat first across the top rope. Bret Hart tags back in. We see continued shots to Spivey, uh, working Spivey back into the corner. Eventually, Bret Hart picks up Dan Spivey for the side backbreaker. And then he tags in Jim the Anvil Nightheart. And man, let me tell you, the tag team maneuver that they do here, it's an oldie and a goodie. Where Jim Hart or Jim the Anvil Nightheart tags in, but he still stands on the apron to the center of the ropes, and Bret Hart does a slingshot catapult and causes Anvil to fly from the apron over the top rope into a splash onto Dan Spivey in the middle of the ring. It's such a good maneuver. We end up eventually seeing Bam Bam Bigelow do a singleton version of this as his finisher during his first run in the WWF. We end up seeing the Hearts when they were a face tag team uh, down the road in a six-man tag at a Royal Rumble with Hacksaw Jim Duggan end up doing this to like one of the Rougeau brothers, I believe, or Dino Bravo in a match. It was uh, it's such a good move, and Anvil just sailing over the ropes on that catapult slingshot. It's just it's really good. Anvil goes for a pinfall attempt uh, from that catapult splash. Ends up only getting a two count as Spivey is able to kick out. Brett ends up tagging back in and starts working on Spivey in the corner. We see Brett Hart uh, climb to the second rope and drops an elbow. That known elbow drop that Brett Hart does. Froth of the second rope for a two count attempt. We see Brett Hart with a front face lock. And Spivey continues to push back towards his own corner to make the tag. Spivey reaches his hand out to make the tag, but as soon as the Anvil knows that Spivey's going to make the tag, he gets into the ring, and the referee's now distracted because Anvil's getting in. Spivey does make the legitimate tag. Tito comes in, house of fire, starts swinging at Brett, but Anvil then leaves, and then now the referee pulls Tito out because he didn't see the actual tag that took place. So we end up seeing a double team maneuver attempt because the ref is pulling Tito out of the ring where from the um, from the ring apron, Anvil has got Spivey's double arms hooked and Brett goes to the opposite uh, opposite ropes, charges and launches himself knee first as if he's going to hit Spivey. But Spivey ends up, you know, moving out of the way and Brett ends up kneeing and knocking Anvil down uh, to the apron. Dan Spivey finally gets that hot tag, Tito Santana, and we have a house of fire. Tito with multiple right hands working on Bret Hart in the corner. Tito with an Irish whip into the corner, and Bret does that sternum first crash and burn as he's thrown into that opposite corner. 
We see Tito Santana hitting a flying forearm to the anvil as he enters the ring to try to break up uh, the momentum that Tito had from his hot tag. We see Danny Davis then climb up on the apron to act as a distraction, but Tito goes nuts and hits a right hand to knock Danny Davis from the apron down to the floor. We see Tito Santana do an Irish whip to Bret Hart, and then Tito bounces off the opposing ropes and ends up hitting a pristine-looking flying forearm, and the crowd is just going nuts. Commentary, Jesse is, is just beside himself. Why isn't Tito going for the pinfall? And But instead, Tito ends up locking in the figure four leg lock. And uh, during the whole melee with Brett having the figure four on him and Tito having that secured in the ring, Anvil and Spivey now are in the ring and the referees now focusing his attention on Spivey and Anvil trying to clear them for the, from the ring. So his back is now to Tito and Brett with the figure four leg lock going on. And we see from the outside, Jimmy Hart hands Danny Davis the megaphone. Danny Davis climbs in the ring and uh, swings the megaphone to Tito Santana's head while Tito's locked Bret Hart into the figure four. Danny Davis slips out of the ring after swinging the megaphone and knocking out Tito. And Bret Hart eventually rolls over on top of Tito and gets a one, two, three pinfall and successful first defense of the WWF Tag Team Champions Championship from the Hart Foundation. It's interesting to see how much of the Hart Foundation is already here, how much of Brett's signatures are already here. I did not expect to see Brett doing the sternum first turnbuckle bump in a tag match so early in his WWF career. I didn't realize like how often or you know how far back he was doing it. Young Anvil's fantastic. He just moves so damn fast. He's so big and powerful and everything. I honestly if I was watching this as an adult, then I probably would have thought Anvil would have been the bigger star than Brett. Just for your typical WWF look and style and everything. Um, speaking of a look and style, there seems there's usually a pattern for tag matches. Like um, the opening bits, usually like all four people get their time in the match, kind of feeling each other out. You have the face team is in control at first, quick tags back and forth. Then the heel team gets control, beats down someone until you build up for the hot tag. But it seemed like Dan Spivey was the only face in the ring for all of that time. Like Tito was not in the ring at all. Well, not at all, but it was like 90-10 probably, Spivey over Tito. And I was just very shocked by it. I'm like, you just came in here. I didn't even know you were with the company at this point. Tito has more history with WWF and is the more consistent one. It, is it a test out for Spivey? Is Tito a little injured? You know, I wasn't quite sure what was going on here. I was just very, he did well. I was just surprised by it. And, and then also surprising because the Heart Foundation are so legendary and we have, you know, such respect for them. It's crazy seeing them as really book like a team that is lucky to be where they are, that through, you know, coincidences and cheating and stuff like that is the only reason they have the titles and the only reason they're this far, but really one-on-one, -on -one, they couldn't hang with a, such a team. They, they need to cheat and, and use all sorts of other methods to win here, which granted is a heel, but it's, they're not given any respect really as a team, at least by the commentating. They just seem to be champions by a fluke at this point, which is just crazy to say about the hearts. 
Um, so we follow that up with Mean Gene Okerlund interviewing Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. So that gets us to our main event of the evening. And of course, that means it's time for Kevin Hellion's Man in the Main Event. Who puts the man in the main event? It's Kevin Elliott. Who is the king of that nerd content? It's Kevin Elliott. Who has a Patreon to pay the rent? It's Kevin Elliott. Who used to work in a giant tent? It's Kevin Elliott. All right, so our match tonight is the Iron Sheik with Slick taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Kevin. Now, there's a lot of shenanigans going on. You got, you know, um, Randy Savage coming out during this, wearing bedazzled jeans. Um, so you get to cover it all. This is your this is your time to shine, baby. Yeah, you're the Paul Orndorff. Take it away. All right. Ricky the Dragon Steamboat versus the Iron Sheik with Slick. Oh, hey, Macho's here. The ref tries to get Macho out. Macho Man goes through the crowd. Macho makes it to the announce table and joins for commentary for the entire match. Sheik puts Dragon's face into his curved boot. Sheik over... Or sorry, not Sheik. Jeez, that'd be impressive. Dragon over the top and skins the cat. I'm picturing Sheik doing that move. A big side suplex. Dragon punches down the Iron Sheik. Sheik begs for mercy. Dragon off the ropes. Takes Iron Sheik down a couple of times. Headlock. Dragon is in control. Roll to the outside. And Sheik hits Dragon into the steel steps. Then Sheik poses. Before midnight, Hogan must pose. After midnight, Sheik must pose. Sheik suplexes Dragon back into the ring. Only gets a two count on it. Sheik with an abdominal stretch. The Dragon starts to hulk up and reverses it. He rains chops down on the Iron Sheik, a body slam, and then the dragon climbs up. He comes down with a big chop from the top rope and pins. Savage is then standing up at the announce table, screaming, yelling, and pointing at Dragon, and Dragon is given right back, challenging Savage. It is a very heated moment. It is very well done. Those are my official notes. Unofficial, though, yes, Savage is incredible on this. I think to add to Treats' new wrestling figure collection, there should be a figure of Savage in his outfit that he comes out for on this. Between the glasses, the the shirt, the jeans, all of it, it's amazing. He out Jesse Ventura's Jesse Ventura, who is sitting right next to him. The distance only looks like four or five rows, maybe, between the ring and the announce table. So Steamboat in the ring challenging Savage and Savage standing up there challenging him back is not quite face-to-face, but it's real close. And it just looks like that distance could be closed at any time and very quickly we could have a brawl. Very well heated. Honestly, it's... I think this moment for WrestleMania 3 build-up could be put equal to Hogan and Andre in the Battle Royal for their build-up. And that has been your Kevin Hellion's man. 
breakdown. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really good. Of course, you know, uh, Sheik is just there to. I mean, he's just he's he's a prop he's, at this point. The steamboat's got to go over somebody, so why not Sheiky? Yeah, Sheiky's a name for for them to go over. Mm-hmm. Um, any anything you want to add from the from the match, educator? Just, I mean, there really is. It's really a nothing match. The match it's just itself a backdrop is nothing. For... It's Savage is phenomenal, it's doing what he's doing. Yeah. So, um, unlike other. Saturday night's main events where we leave. We have a few more things going on, guys. Um, so we have Mean Gene interviewing Hawk Hogan, who may have just gotten out of the shower. Possibly. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, and then we find out that Hot Rod's retiring. Roddy Piper's retiring, guys. And then, you see, like, I ordered a shirt, and you're not going to even mention it. I'd get my official shirt of Hogan's quote against andre there quote 15 years of undefeated obesity i'm wearing the shirt to the buffet once they open back up (laughs) yeah um so mean gene uh interviews roddy piper and then they put a roddy piper tribute video uh which is fantastic i mean check this out guys it is fantastic there is a line in this piper uh promo promo. i don't know did you did you guys write a line down I wrote a line down. Kevin, did you write a I'm line go- down? No, I missed it. I can I, I maybe it's, we're on the same okay, page. Okay, so why don't you start it and then I'll finish the line if it's the line I'm thinking about. I'm going to Hollywood and I. Oh no, definitely not the one I'm thinking about. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, finish finish. What is yeah? Line. What is your line? <laughs> yeah, but Piper's justification for leaving. I'm going to Hollywood and I want to give it 110 percent. No. And that he always is given 110 percent here. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's know, my line. Here's my his... line. It doesn't yeah. matter. They went from throwing eggs to throwing roses. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, what a, that symbolizes Piper. Absolutely. I, I love it, that. It's almost like a Dusty Rhodes, you know, hard times. Level. Hard times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Fantastic. The music video tribute's great with the. With the uh, kind of like the sad dramatic music, and it's just yep. ridiculousness going through. We even get a cameo from Barry O in that video with the the rock and wrestling or the first WWF wrestling music album we yeah. see in there with Piper smashing over uh, <laughs> over Captain Lou, and uh, it's just yeah, the whole thing's fantastic. Um, and then we get Jesse and Vince basically just doing their their recap at the end of the show. And that is it for Saturday night's main event X or 10, if you will. What would you guys think of the the go home show for for Mania three? Definitely wanted me, uh, you know, push me to want to get watch that episode uh, to watch Mania, I should say, and order it. confrontation between Hogan and Andre, you know, first time in the making sort of thing. Absolutely. This really, really pushed the envelope and it's, and the the Randy Savage Ricky Steamboat between the George Steele match and then later on the commentary with during his match with with uh with Steamboat and and Sheiky yeah really setting up the big the big feuds going into mania I mean I'm at least debating ordering mania at this point maybe um you know if there's another episode of like superstars or or challenger titans or whatever in between that would push me over that a little bit I don't feel like I feel like this is kind of like the early pay-per-view just after um, closed circuit era. So I don't think there's like a pay-per-view channel airing, you know, commercials all day long. 
No, but I mean, like the more I'm already most of the way there. I might need a little bit more push me over, but they did a good job. I'm actually kind of debating on watching it just this weekend for the heck of it. I mean, I bought the Andre uh, WrestleMania three in the cart. <laughs> now he's hanging out with Heenan, the weasel. The cart looks so good on my desk. Um, so I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Um, I, I've been very entertained and very impressed with these Saturday night's main events. I mean, just fantastic shows. They they really have been. Um, you know, nothing crazy. I don't think we've gotten like a, a giant angle yet on them, but they're just so solid. I would say, I mean, there's not a, there's not a bad one. I I think maybe the one previous to this, just because it was a lot of just heavy wrestling, there was no vignettes, um, not really a lot of memorable interviews, really none, um, comparative so you know they're they're trying different things but you just these have been fantastic shows just the piper montage just shows like everything that from the first episode to to 10 like the last 10 episodes just how much has changed in the year year and a half i mean gosh uncle elmer's wedding it was like for what second at first episode second episode and uh till here we are now the build up to mania just so much has changed and yeah it's been a great, great run so far, and I look forward to continuing on. Yeah. No. All right. So, so Kevin, next week, no, no. Saturday night's main event eleven. Are you ready to find out what your man in the main event main event is? <sighs> it gives me time to prepare mentally. All right. So, it is none other than the Can Am Connection, Rick Martel and Tom Zink with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Taken on Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik with Slick in their corner. I feel like the main event's becoming a Iron Sheik staple. Sheiky baby. He, he make you humble. You ready for that one, Kevin? Uh, oh, I'm I'm looking forward no, to it. We got a week. You got a week to prepare. So um, so anyways, educator, anything you want to say out there to the people? Hey guys, thank you so much for checking us out. As always, listen to us Mondays, listen to us Thursdays. Please go check out the Retro Network. An awesome thank you to my two co-hosts tonight, Treats. As always, the time and the effort I know that you put into editing these shows. Uh, I'm so, so, so thankful that you are the tech guy, you are a producer. I can't imagine how we would be able to continue this without your efforts. And again, thank you so much. Uh, Hellions, your, your hot tags that you do on the Mondays to contribute content. Again, thank you so much for your extra time, your effort. I'm so happy to be along for the ride, and uh, I look forward to our continued success. Well, I just... No, this sounds like treats. This sounds like someone that, if he needs surgery, is going to need some help getting up and downstairs, so he's puttering us up. I know. You guys aren't coming all the way up. I doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) What are you... uh... You had me at when you were putting me over. Oh, no. But you lost me during your promo when you started putting Kevin over. Oh, no. <laughs> you know. Um, so I want to thank the educator, of course, for saying good things about me, like he should. Um, but uh, that's all I got for you guys. Now, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Maddie Treats. We like to have fun here, of course. Um, every Mondays, you can listen to us on, I think it's the run-in, the hot tag, and then our new, what are we calling it? Do we have a name yet? We'll workshop it. Right, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. Or do retro hunting. Maybe just retro hunting. The dollhouse show. <laughs> the doll, the action figure and dollhouse show. <laughs> there you go. All right. Kevin, take us home. 
all right thank you guys for another great show thank you to retro network for hosting us thank you wwe network for the content thank you to jason gerson richard reader for our logo and we didn't mention um this episode within episode i don't know how but shout out to our friends over at ads with wrestling you can follow us across the internet at trn house show you can follow matt online at maddie treats you can follow me online at mass library MassLibrary.com is the home blog for myself all sorts of posts uh go ahead and check out the show notes for links to patreon to show merchandise for anything extra we might discuss this week and um guys uh, you know you threaten it nearly every week to replace me with someone else i just hope that if you actually do i get a tribute video as well much like piper This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.